0: Shut up and
1: sit sit down. down. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Banter. Uh, We like our rugby and we like talking about it. And I'm going to try to keep original every week and try to come up with something new. Thankfully, to help me with that originality is Matt from George. How are you, Matt?
2: Not too bad, thanks. You're well. Yeah, I'm alright. Lazy Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, uh, indeed. Same, same here from Johannesburg. Uh, down in Cape Town, we have Alex. As always, how's it going?
3: Hello, Adam. Good, thanks, and thanks for having me on.
1: Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. I hope the weather's a bit better than here. It's currently pissing with rain, but hopefully in in the tropical East tropical East Indian Ocean or West Indian Ocean, it's Ben. Uh, how's it going, Ben? <laughs>
0: good, good. Uh, the weather's great here. By oh.
1: the way. But it always is. Island paradise. <laughs> Actually no no it, it's it's a
0: little bit windy uh-huh. so like obviously oh, okay. obviously the, the tourists were still swimming but you know us locals oh I don't I don't like a bit of wind that's a bit chilly I'm gonna stay out the
2: water today mm-hmm. yeah, well, you didn't pay to be on the beach today yeah so
3: he pays yeah. his three percent tax like everyone else
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough
3: no <laughs> indiv- for the upkeep of the beach. You-
0: Individual tax you pay 15%. It's just corporate tax. It's three percent. Yeah,
3: 15%. But don't you, don't you have yourself registered as a company by now,
0: Ben? Ben LLC. Yeah. No, ben, no. I was ben thinking about it Ben from tax because you can, you can. Some people sort of do that. You register yourself as a company and then you kind of pay dividends to yourself because dividends are tax free. Yeah. But yeah you know, it's a bit but messy and like I don't know. The, the authorities don't don't smart it. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay. uh, let's let's get started, I guess, uh, with the news, and uh, one of you guys are going to be our Commonwealth Games correspondent, some, something about the New Zealand ladies and men, winning gold, I, I haven't checked anything <laughs> Checked anything out for that, but Blitzbocker did not place, they didn't get a medal, a bit disappointing, but whatevs, um, was it you, Alex, or Ben, who, who checked it out?
3: Um, I didn't actually watch it, so if someone else did, then I defer to them, I just I saw the results. Um, I, I've, so. watched,
0: I've watched some of it, but I didn't watch the finals though But yeah, yeah, I, they was, early for me, but I just forgot to watch them. To be Oh, honest.
1: okay. Well, uh, Mazel tov to uh, the New Zealand seven men and women's teams for claiming gold against uh, the Blitzbocker who that's it, didn't play.
0: Mm. Uh, uh, I think the the men beat Fiji. I don't no. know who the women beat.
3: The, the women beat Australia. Oh, okay. So well, it was in it Australia. Was like quite a, yeah, it was, was quite a tense yeah, affair, a,
1: apparently. Yeah, uh, uh, coming a bit more locally, uh, Johan and he ended up starting for the Cheaters in in their Pro 14 (laughs) match. And, yeah, what a cheeky bastard. Uh, That's all I want to say. Clearly, the retirement, as we all knew, was a ruse. But, yeah, I just just wanted to point that out, that he ended up starting for the Cheaters. I think they lost to Munster by two points, if that's correct. I know we're going to be talking about that a little bit later, so... Uh, Johan Khursen is back, and when he goes back to France, he is going to be booed viciously. Uh, a little bit more interestingly is the Saru elections. I know they took place. Uh, Mark Alexander, he has retained the presidency of Saru. Uh, any, any comment on that one, guys? Um,
3: I don't have any f- strong feelings about it either way. Um, yeah. I just feel like Saru hasn't been good lately, so any... <laughs> continuation of the status quo is probably a bad thing, but I'm not going to read too much of this.
1: Yeah,
0: I feel... I feel so. like these... Like Saru, it's a bit sort of faceless because I don't really... I don't really agree with what Saru do, but I don't really know who's... who's pulling the strings. Like, I don't know if it is Alexander or if they're kind of like a... like a horde of administrators under him who are doing all of this, or if it's coming from sort of government or whatever. So, you don't... you don't really actually know... I don't even know, like, how Saru operates, like, who reports to who, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, whatever. Hopefully, hopefully, Rassi's kind of made Springbok Rugby, at least. Well, I would hope South African Rugby, generally his baby, and the administrators can stick to, I don't know, wearing ties or whatever it is they do.
1: Well, hmm. uh, speaking, speaking of Rassi, him and Yori ru who himself has had some financial dispersions, Cast over his character, but that's in the past. They've both been added to the Pro 14 rugby board. Uh, just to mm. quote a story from Sport 24, the Pro 14's expansion this season. All right, no, that's boring. Uh, Pro 14 rugby chief executive Martin Anyai, commercial and marketing director Demot Rigley, and tournament director David Jordan joined Ruin Erasmus at the match. Blah, 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 blah. All right, they're on the board. So, okay. <laughs> so, I guess it's essentially, I guess. Um, Saru embedding themselves in the Pro 14. I know the Kings, uh, they got hammered this past weekend. The Cheaters have been a compliment to the competition, and I know that uh, Chris Lee, um, a friend of the pod, mm. I'd, I'd like to add, who's uh, our Ireland correspondent, and at some point, maybe we should attempt to get him on come to a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he just noted that the competition has has been better, and he's a bit more uh, interesting and exciting for their edition, and the Kings will get better. Uh, David's notes. So, what's going on. Hmm? You
0: something something chris chris did maybe it wasn't chris maybe it was someone who was kind of following up on what chris said they're saying that it's quite interesting seeing like uh contrasting styles of play yeah because yeah. super Rugby, it is it is very exciting and everyone sort of um everyone sort of acknowledges that super rugby is a very exciting brand of rugby yeah. but everyone does sort of play quite a similar style so like yeah um, uh pro fourteen is very exciting, in that sometimes you get one of these really like defensive kicking teams up against like the cheetahs who are just sort of they'll run know, everything run everything or so it does it does provide contrasting styles, which I think does make rugby does make rugby a bit more interesting, yeah yeah. No. Well, the introduction of the cheaters and the kings at least gives kind of gives a, a bit of flavour. Let's say that.
1: Yeah, and sorry mm. could always mm. kind of uh, use the sort of Damocles hangover in New Zealand rugby and uh, rugby Australia or the ARU, saying hey, uh, we, we've got two teams in Europe. You better not get cheeky now. Yeah, uh, uh, I was I
0: was about to say it does it uh, like weirdly it gives us more bargaining power within mm. Super Rugby,
3: mm-hmm. to
1: say that
0: listen. If you want, we can pull all our people and just take them to Europe, and you yeah. you guys will just be kind of stuck with each other. So it does actually, I, I think it improves our position globally more uh, by putting the kings and the cheetahs in the Pro 14. Didn't yeah.
2: I, don't ask super. I'm, didn't our super I'm, sport numbers also give us a bit of a sw- uh, bit of a sway in South yeah,
0: so Africa?
2: South Africa's TV
0: money is like by far by far the highest out of like any like it's
2: australia and new zealand together don't even match sa or something yeah speak
1: uh, also just the time zone um because we've got all the expats living in the uk who operate in the same time zone and even the casual fans maybe in the uk it's way easier for them to uh watch yeah. uh That's I'm sure I'm, yeah, yeah i'm sure it's a minority audience but hey every every viewer counts as i said now mm. something yeah yeah yeah
0: can I just sorry sorry I, f- I feel this is a good time now we're kind of talking about money and stuff. Hmm. Um, yes. So I was watching yes Ben from Tax. Kind of, I, think, <laughs> I think it was after the after the Reds game. I flicked to watching. There was some highlights of French rugby. It was like I think it was Bordeaux versus Rating Metro. I, I'm hmm. not actually sure of the game, but it was a big stadium, okay, and it was packed, okay. Yeah. Then I flicked to um, IPL Cricket. Again, big stadium, packed. Then I flicked to. It was. Then I was thinking about the Cheetahs game. Hmm. And I was like, the Cheetahs game, the majority of the fans in that game were actually from Munster.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a, same crew that rolled from here. Yeah.
0: It was easier for these people to get on a plane, fly 10,000 kilometers, get on a bus <laughs> in Bloomfontein, go yeah. there, than some fucking farmer to get out of his house and drive his back here down to the stadium. Yeah. Um. So, like, I, I was off about that, obviously. But then I was like, actually, f- filling stadiums is what makes clubs money. Yes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know, obviously, there are other issues, but. Like, filling stadiums is kind of their, their, their core source of income, let's say that, huh? Yeah, yeah fair enough. And then, then we complain, oh, no, we're losing, we're losing players to Europe because, you know, we can't compete with the Euro, blah, blah, blah. But it's mm-hmm. bullshit. We can't compete with full stadiums.
1: Yeah, if, yeah. We f- if we
0: could could fill our stadiums, we could definitely afford to play, pay our players a lot more and keep them in South Africa.
1: Yeah.
3: It does kind of re- – it's a, it's a reinforcing argument because um, – if you don't have good players and people are less likely to go to the stadiums, right? I, so it's I, like a chicken and egg. But I, I don't think that's what I,
0: happens. I kind of I think, still think, all it's, yeah. it's of rugby, it's worth going to the stadium. To you go to the stadium all the time, Alex, and you always enjoy it. Like you, you yeah. treat it to a yeah. good game for like your 60 rand or whatever. it is, your 100 rand. like.
3: Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's, I, I just love uh, live sport, right? But when I go there, I see a crowd of people that aren't as interested in the game as I am. Um, they're a lot more interested in the match day experience, right? So things like having the DHL Storm as cheerleaders which is, uh, uh, I I hate that I can't stand the cheerleaders (laughs) Um, and, you know, things like that and it's a whole day out but that actually kind of brings me into my my next point which is, I think there are two kind of reasons for what you're talking about or the phenomenon you're talking about The first one is kind of financial because, yes, it's easy for a farmer in Bloom to just jump in his bike and drive down to the stadium for the game um, but you know he doesn't have the same kind of purchasing power that someone from Ireland does, or from the EU, for example. So yeah, and you know they make a whole holiday out of it. So it's not just they didn't just fly all that way just for the game. No, yeah,
0: yeah. no, obviously. But but I, yeah, I was yeah. also talking about IPL was filling stadiums. Um, French sure. rugby is filling stadiums.
3: Sure, I think I think for a lot of people, like the pricing of rugby in South Africa is slightly prohibitive. Someone was talking about uh, parking at um Ellis Park for example because uh, for me I, I if you don't know I live right next to the stadium so I buy my ticket I walk across and I watch the game and I come home I don't have to worry about transport or parking or you know all the other stuff apparently in in Joburg it's a ridiculous mission to try and find parking for Ellis Park uh, so a lot yeah. of people stay away yeah, so that, yeah, that
0: yeah you, you, know, you know you just take an Uber in the yeah,
1: yeah even then but, if if it's a box, just to elaborate the Ellis Park situation uh the precinct they yeah. built around there it has been cleaned up significantly and uh, parking, there's Johannesburg Stadium next door, you park there and stuff, but getting to the stadium, uh, it's a schlep, and if, particularly if it's a night game, as most of the test matches are hosted, I think it's either 5pm kick-off or 7pm kickoff kick kick in winter, uh, it's right next to, uh, still, yeah, like, Hillbrow. It's, it's not
0: a nice area. No, yeah. which,
1: which is a real pity, like, the Wanderers, uh, the cricket stadium here in Johannesburg, that's in a nice area, um, mm. even there, but just... I just want to just, just a quick point. I'd, I kind of have a feeling that the stadiums here in South Africa are too big. A lot of them were built in the apartheid area when mm. there was nothing else to watch, so you always got full crowds. Um, it's very prohibitive. I'd, like when there's a... I mean, in, I've been to Ellis Park when it's full, and I was at a Currie Cup final, I don't know, five years ago, and it's fantastic, and it's super full for test matches, but I, I have a s- sort of feeling the stadiums are too big, in a way. Maybe I'm being yeah, naive. Well, I, I,
0: I, was, I was touting it a few... I was touting it a few years ago. I was saying that um, the Lions should actually move base to somewhere like four-ways or, you know, where there's actually a bit of space. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. like four-ways or, like, ideally Santon, but, like, there's no real room in Santon for a stadium. So no, if they no just real. move to kind of four-ways and they put up, like, a 15,000-seater a stadium, I think they would they would fill that a lot more uh, often. I, I'd and, say like, 30. They can easily get,
1: get away with 30. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Ellis Park is 60,000 people,
0: um, is that like eighty
1: thousand? It's massive, in this box, it looks. Right? It mm-hmm. used to be. It used to be the bit red. The that's also why Newlands is is a nice. Like personally, I think they should have sold Newlands ages ago. Sorry, Alex, but um, no, I agree. It, it's it is. It's an adequate size. Like fifty thousand. It's like all right. You get twenty five. It looks full. Loftus or well, fairness. Um, I was chatting to a guy who's a Bulls fan. He says all the, all the Bulls need to do is start winning and then they, they, people go back yeah. to the stadium. Yeah. So it's a very different culture there. But sorry, Alex, Yo, I look, really what, interrupted inter- you there. Uh, no, 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 it's
3: okay, because you, you, you kind yeah. of touched upon my next point, which is that um, what the second aspect, you know, other than just being attractively priced, is a proper matchday experience.
1: You need oh, to have stadium yeah. experience that Ugh. lives
3: up to what... I mean, what we're talking about it. Also, it also t- ties in with what Ben was saying, because during apartheid, if you want to watch the rugby, you got to not get off your ass and go to the stadium and pick a seat. Nowadays, you can sit in the comfort of your own home, watching on DSTV on a super wide, you know, HD or whatever. Um, sorry, I don't. Have, I don't have a TV, so I don't know what all the technical terminology is. But um, and how millennial you know, so
1: so right. so if you don't if you go, go to the game... H, like yeah, I don't
3: play at the, I don't oh, know TV bin.
1: Millennial. <laughs> anyway, you were saying you were saying yeah yeah. yeah.
3: Um, but yeah, so like if you're gonna go all the way to the stadium and buy tickets and you know go pick them up from computer ticket or whatever, which, by the way, is also a bit of a mission, last oh. time I went. And, you know, take yourself out of your comfort zone. You kind of need to be compensated. You need, like, a really good experience. And, again, this is why I don't mind going, because I like watching live rugby. Like, it gets, you know, it gets me going. I can see all the players, and I get to watch the game in a lot more detail than I don't get on, on TV. Whereas a lot of other people, they kind of get going because it's a trendy thing to do. It's like an entertainment or, you know, yeah. like, you know, a lot of students go out, you know, as a group, and then they kind of spend the whole time chatting to each other instead of watching, which pisses me off. But the reason mm-hmm. is that there's just not enough of a entertainment pool. For it's not a whole occasion, and I think culture. Loftus gets full when the Bulls start playing because their culture is rugby. Like they, they have that shared bond. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get that many people going just because everyone else is going. You get much more people going because they just love the Bulls. And they love Bulls rugby. So yeah, I think that we just All the stadiums and the stadium managers in South Africa need to take a long, hard look at what they're actually providing to the consumer for the money that they pay, and they need to find a way of doing it better and just improving every aspect of attending live sport. Because, like you said, Ben, yes, there are full stadiums in the Pro 14, they are full stadiums in um, the IPL or whatever, but it's not just that they're full they're vibrant, like, the crowd, yeah, like,
0: uh, IPL is a massive vibe, I would love to exactly. go watch an IPL again, they've,
3: yeah. like, they've just captured the sporting culture, like, we just can't do it, and the fact that when you watch Northern Hemisphere, or, like, especially Ireland and Scotland, a uh, rugby match, and everyone in, this, in the crowd goes quiet when someone's kicking, mm. you don't yeah, do that I if
0: you've you got that, people, that gives me fucking goosebumps when
3: it, that happens, it gives me goosebumps too, and I wish we could do that, but here, you don't, you don't have people doing that, because everyone's too busy, fucking, you know, Instagramming photos themselves in <laughs> the cricket ground or whatever. You I'll know, tell um, you that
2: now, from, from spending time with the Munster fans, they actually shush everyone in the stands. It's it's not that the stands go quiet. It's that they actively are shushing everyone around them.
1: But, but I, I just yeah, want, I no, just no, want to... Spend, like, I, which is I, cool. I, I, I mean, yeah, it, no, I agree.
0: It's like a social contract coming into the stadium. Like, you have to play by the rules. So, oh,
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but I'd also awesome. like to add that, I mean, SA fans are notoriously fickle. I think uh, I think the Lions are, are the case in point when they were losing. you uh, No one, no one went to Ellis Park, and it was uh, a ghost town. Yeah. And when they are winning, everybody just kind of shows up. But uh, I guess your main point being, I like seeing it at home too. The um, Springbok games at Ellis Park, they're a jaw. Because even if you get a crowd of, like when you get a crowd of 40,000 people there, the stadium still looks somewhat empty, which is uh, messed up. Like, the vibe is cool. And especially for uh, Lions games, but yeah, uh, I think that uh, like, we need to move on. But I'm yeah, I, I sure.
0: I, I, can I just can I just say say one thing just to finish?
1: Yeah,
0: catch. For okay, a a- Aust- Australian cricket in the I don't know when it was, but basically yeah. they had problems filling Test match stadiums. So so what they did is in the region you were in, they didn't put the game on TV until the stadium uh, was. Shit. Oh, yes, yeah. I've
1: seen that. They experimented. That as they, well. they experimented here with that, but then I think super in the yeah, yeah, it, yeah,
0: obviously, yeah. Obviously, obviously, it's hard. But but imagine that they just say, okay, Cape Town doesn't get the Stormers game until every ticket is
2: sold. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: Jesus Christ! I being... wonder well, if
2: you actually get you'll you'll get a pool of guys actually buying tickets and. Just, just, and just not pitch anyway, though. They're just biting.
1: No, no, but so no, like, there'll be some standoff off yeah. shit there, bro. There'll be some standoff off shit. That's, Yo, that's yeah, like, cool.
2: like,
0: yeah. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, there'll be a lot of, and people will be pissed off, because they'll be like, uh-uh, I bought, I bought Super Sport to watch the Stormers, and now you fuckers are. But it is, it, yeah, is, but, quite a, uh, yeah. it is quite an interesting, it is quite an interesting you. idea with it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Sorry. That's, no, 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 it's, cool. uh, people, yeah. Fine. Please play us okay now. Hmm. Uh, uh just the last piece of news I wanted to discuss uh the Springboks have a new forwards what well, a new old forwards coach Peter de Villiers uh, the venerable f- former uh, French player who was initially part of me part of Rassie Erasmus's staff he's left for the Springboks setup he will be playing more of a consultancy role with Math- Matthew Proudfoot of the Asdakats era uh, he's coming back he I mean the forwards were never really the issue uh for spring springboks, just the backs were absolutely clueless, along with the defensive structures, but the forwards didn't attack. Yeah. We're pretty solid. Just uh, reading a story from Simon uh, Simnikiwe uh, Banisa uh, from City Press, who, who's the uh, central sports writer. He just said that, uh, and I'm just quoting a story that runs in the City Press. Speaking in condition of anonymity, a source said, Proudfoot caught Saru and Kutis replacement Rasieram off guard by insisting he wanted to stay." Open quote. He Proudfoot, reminded them that he had a contract that would only expire in 2019. He also told them he was committed to the box, blah, blah, blah. He worked very hard to convey that message by turning up at the office every day and asking Rossi how he could help. He was eventually sent to <laughs> go assist with the Vice Cup teams just to kind of like waylay him, to get him out the way. But uh, eventually, uh, I think it was Peter de Villiers who made the call in the last training camp that was held uh, where other coaches were involved. Uh, maybe we should actually just mention that. it's us Waste Brain and a couple of other guys got involved. It was announced that Proudfoot was back on the coaching staff, and Peter David is apparently uh, a softly spoken, quiet person who's not one for the media spotlight. He might not have enjoyed the fact that he would have had to uh, argue mm-hmm. as such with Proudfoot. Yeah. So it's very, I think, it's very interesting. Rassie is the sort of guy who likes things to run his own way, uh, but Proudfoot, and all, all power to him, is he's genuinely the, the Stormers when he was their forwards coach were always very decent. The forwards, so mm. he's never done a bad job. I don't. It's it's very interesting all the politicking. What do you guys think about this?
2: I saw. I haven't read this that story in the City Press, but I've seen now on Twitter. Wim Rugby and mm. Front Row Grant, both of them. Yeah, I'm going to quote Wim Rugby yeah. now.
1: Yeah.
2: So in reaction to the City Press story, or one Sports 24 rather, but yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the same, same story. Yeah, it is. Um, what this story is saying is that Rasi. Who okay, I'm gonna use Wim um, um Rugby's <laughs> yeah, is here. Who have yeah, who have more power than any previous SA coach or director of rugby in history felt forced to bring in Prowl's foot at expense of his longtime friend and forward coach De Villiers. Guys, it smells like a cuck story to me. That's yeah, so him and Front Grant sort of both express that, you know, it's a it sounds a little bizarre that Proudfoot managed to bully himself into this situation well, when Rasi's been given a lot less or a lot more rain or freedom to reign than norm- than yeah. anyone normally has. So yeah. that's I don't know. So,
3: this. well, look. I think I think that Wims probably captured it. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's fair to say that Proudfoot bullied his way in, right? Because as Adam said from the original article, he has a contract. Yeah. So. He in his mind he was like oh think about it like in your day job you've got a job and you paid you you have got a contract for the rest of the year or another year or so, and if it's true that he was literally just showing up every day and saying, you know how can I help like give me some work to do whatever that's kind of better than what like Alistair was doing at the end of his contract essentially <laughs> and basically <laughs> just being like screw you guys like keep paying me and if you don't then there's trouble, or you know I'm going to take you to court etc etc or et cetera, et cetera. like being quite belligerent about it because. Proudfoot, he was happy to work for the money. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't expecting a free paycheck. He just wants to do his job. And I think the root of the problem here, yes, like I understand uh, Russi getting frustrated now that he's got to work with a forwards coach that isn't his old mate, Peter de Villiers. But the, isn't the, prob- the root of the problem that Russi was promised so much leeway in the first place? Because mm-hmm. we know that Alistair Couture had to put up with a coaching staff that he didn't handpick. And that was then uh, pointed out as being part of the original problems with his opening few matches. And, again, this is the root here, is Saru. Like, Saru are terrible at writing contracts. They do this all the fucking time. They do it with, like, the centrally contracted springboks, and then we're forced to play guys like Damien Delendo over better centers because they've already got him on the books, so they might as well get some rugby out of him. They don't write their contracts in such a way that allows them to chop and change, which we know is the reality of being in a professional sports environment. You know that you might get fired any day, any day now if your results aren't up to scratch. And if you have a forward coach like Proudfoot who's linked to the head coach in the form of Alistair Concealer, then that needs to be specified in his contract. And then when a new coach comes along, then you don't have an issue with saying, Listen, you gotta go. We've got Peter DeVillas coming in. So they just it sounds like they just really dropped the whole ball and uh yeah, good for Proudfoot for sticking up for himself, mm-hmm. bad luck for Peter DeVillas and Rossi for not getting everything exactly the way they wanted it. But it's hopefully someone learns a lesson from it
1: yeah um look I, like I, it's a very interesting point and I would love to chat about it more we need to move on to uh, the weekend's <laughs> games we've we've got sucked into the news because the debate has been so invigorating and uh, poses a lot of questions that none of us really have sensible answers for that that kind of says says a lot really uh, so uh, moving on to more matters on the field uh, the first game of the weekend we had the chiefs versus the Hurricanes at the cake tin, slash baking dish. i need to make that thing. Hashtag baking dish, make it a thing. Uh, the Hurricanes, they came out winners. Uh, Bona Barrett came out the winner of the Battle of the Tens. D-Mac, he did end up proving fit, but overall, Ben Lamb scored a very good individual try. Uh, yes. Anton well, Leonard-Brown was managed to be outleaped by Ngani Lamape, who is shorter than he is, to to score a try. I know Lachlan Boisier, much to your try, grin Alex from our offside. Uh, he scored a good try, but uh, the Hurricanes roll on. So they seem mm. they seem to be the Lions of New Zealand rugby at the moment. Take you on wins. Uh, anything from that from that game that interested you guys? Main points: uh, they're missing T.J. Perinara. The Hurricanes still won, but there's a huge drop off um, from their number nine after Perinara, which is just interesting to think about.
3: I don't know. You summed it up pretty neatly there. Um, Oops. I don't know the Chiefs were disappointing. Look, they, they had some bad luck, right? They had the Aiden Ross broken leg really oh, early, early
1: Jesus. on. Jesus. they don't know what? The sixth choice? Prop? Yeah. Crikey man. Exactly. That's yeah.
3: oh, a real issue. And um, obviously, um, Ted Tora, Rangi is not their first choice scrum off either.
1: Oh, he's not bad. So... Him, though. He, no, no, he's good. Yeah. He's good. I'm not, I'm not shitting on him. He had a shit game, long. though. I'm, I'm, I'm just understand. saying,
3: generally, <laughs> just generally, the teams, like, they've had a lot of disruptions. And, um, I mean, they had Naitai back, so... I, I know we said we, we thought it was going to be closer, but yeah, this was kind of the expected results. The Hurricanes are are looking pretty unstoppable at the moment.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Ben, uh, you have anything to add? Yeah, uh,
0: I've got quite a a controversial statement on this game.
1: Oh, it tease it up. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Damien McKenzie is the SP Marais of New Zealand Rugby.
1: What? No. Know. No. <laughs>
3: what? Okay. All right. All right. No, no, uh, no, uh, no, no, that, I'm, I'm not to okay. overreact. Sorry, sorry. I'm not going to overreact. I just yeah. want okay. to explain yourself. Is, is that da-
1: finished?
2: Da- Damien
0: McKenzie is very good individually, by himself. But as when he's part of a team, I think he's a disruptive force. Because how can you run a support line with Damien McKenzie fucking running backwards half the time, kind of like he's so he's so unpredictable and that's what makes him a great attacking force but it also makes him very hard to support and I would say very hard to play with. I think it's fine when he's playing at 15 because he's got a lot of space and shit, and there're not that many other players around him. But when he's like sort of at, when he's at 10 in the in the in the thick of it, I don't think he he utilizes those around him enough, and I think he he creates some confusion just because I don't even think he knows what he's going to do. So how's someone else going to mean to follow that?
3: Yeah
2: uh, uh, I find myself half agreeing with Ben, so oh, not, not sh- that controversial.:
1: I'm very much, I'm uh-huh. very much part of the DMAC church. Okay. No, I, no, no, look, also, no, no, also, no, no, there's nothing wrong. No, with him. Yeah. no, I, I'm from a ten. So... From, from, as a ten, I, I fully agree with you. As a fifteen, I love him at fifteen. I think he's fantastic, and uh, we're more talking about him as a ten uh, in particular. Yeah. I no, I look. He's just he's just a high risk ten. That's I'm just. Well, this is why this but is but why it's called Ben's to... hot take <laughs> week, it's not, no, that's no, no, that's but, title, but, That's a uh, title.
0: Do, do you see my point though? That individually, to he's agree. great. But yeah. within the team, I don't think he's, I I don't think he, like like Barrett, in terms of their, their sort of skill sets, I would say dmac probably has a better skill set. But because Barrett can play, fits in a lot better within the team, uh, he will always
2: be a far better player. Well, that's scoop and sort of make uh, his team play better around him. So yeah. excellent. Um,
3: okay, so, I mean,
0: ben, Ben's, can Ben's, I Ben's, can I also say that uh, this is our problem though because we play so much fantasy rugby. That anyone who scores while in fantasy, we automatically presume they're a good player.
1: What? No. When there
0: are, there are <laughs> no. tangible things like Ryan, like Ryan Crotty. Actually, no, because we're always going on about how shit Nayavura
3: is. But I was he's about to I was about to defend it. myself. Berger Woodenbal,
2: Berger was probably going to yeah, score no, that yeah. like, like Berger Woodenbal, really oh, good player. And really good yeah, scored,
0: scored shit for like three weeks. Yeah. Matt Scott, Todd scores shit in fantasy. Liam Squire scores shit in fantasy. Ryan Crotty scores shit in fantasy. Oh,
1: he's the but best, they all, best, best. One of the best all, in the
3: world, yeah. But, but SP Murray also scores bad in fantasy. So he's a shit. SP Murray. No, no, he, he scores fantastic. Why have he you
1: brought you him up twice? Really well you brought him up twice. But look, look but okay. I, like, I kind of agree with you, but you know what? A couple of the times, the Chiefs created very really good attacking opportunities, and it wasn't McKenzie. It was the player after him, like Nathan Harris, who didn't pass to Solomon Alamalu. To um, he was out open on the left. He tried throwing a dummy instead. Ugh, silly, silly awesome. forwards. Silly front rowers. Right, Matt. Mm, um, look, I do, I do, I, I do look, see your point. To pass. You, I, sorry. You're expecting the
2: right, you're expecting the wrong player to pass. <laughs>
1: I don't know. The New Zealand players are all meant to have good hands. Like I, I do, I do see your points. Uh, but I think let's let's not forget. It's only it's his first proper season at this level at ten and I think it's gone pretty well. So comparing to no, SP Maria is a massive I think insult.
0: He's becoming, I think he's becoming more erratic by the game, though, Damien McKenzie.
3: So ben, Ben's clearly trying to bamboozle us, right? Because he made yeah. some decent points, but he prefaced the whole thing with this SP Maria comparison. Oh, that's I, what I, got everyone okay. so, so That's what like got SP us all hot. Right?
0: SP Maria doesn't fit into a team.
3: I think that the better comparison is to Quade Cooper. Because Quaid no, has that no. same Quaid has the same element of he'll
2: he lose you if you yeah he he doesn't
3: no, he doesn't no. look he doesn't look to see what everyone else around him is necessarily doing he does what he wants to do and then everyone around him has to hurry to catch up to make it work right and that's kind of what you're accusing Damien McKenzie of and I think it's fine but I mean Damien McKenzie's better than Quaid Cooper I,
0: yeah I... no no Damien McKenzie is better than Quaid Cooper but Sp Maria has the same sort of well, he would have that quality if he was better.
1: I kind of feel like this is very similar to when I compared uh, a DD, D, D, DDA 2 to, to the original DDA. I'm just saying, you've exactly. Now, you've now started a new thing. We got to call Damien McKenzie not not even DMAC. Let's call him SP2. You know, so you're hitting the right way
3: for an apology letter. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, look, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm
2: wondering who's gonna send. Who's yeah. going to send in the next angry email now?
1: It yeah, might, might be me at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's leave it there. Uh, very, let me just say a very contrarian view, which I think it should be always That's... be encouraged. So we'll, we'll leave it there. We need, we need to move on. Uh, unfortunately, to to the Blues, they managed to get it done uh, against the Sun Wolves. Akira, he got another try. He ran through a few people. Yada, yada, yada. Um, a, 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 no trick. A hashtag Euro Euro. Yeah, hashtag mm. Euro Um A different New Zealand side probably would have beaten them, probably by twenty or thirty. Um, beyond the, the Blues, kind of doing as expected. Sunals, by the way, I scored. a lovely try. Who was who's the who was that? Ten was it wasn't little. It was, was Robbie Robinson uh, no. who, for their try? No, no, no. He wasn't. He wasn't no tries no, was, was no, Robbie lovely. Robinson
0: was on the field when they scored their good try.
1: Yeah, that's that's the one no. I That was quite quite a classy but, try. So I mean, Robbie Robinson that no, sorry. Yeah, he got, he
0: got on he got on the they attended an HIA or blood or something, oh. and he he went off. Then Robbie Robinson kept on the for who, set up, sure? he,
1: he, who set up that try? Sure, who set up that try? Char the gap. Oh, oh no! But it was it was Hatton
0: mainly who set up that try.
1: Uh, you guys, you, know, you guys think you Hayden Parker? Yes, thank you. Because no, Robbie Robinson, Robinson was, was definitely... Then, yeah. Robbie Robinson Sorry. definitely wasn't in the no, match day was, 23. No, no, it was Hayden Parker. Yeah, no, it, thank so you. It, no, it. He just, he charred that gap and then offloaded uh, for the Sunwolves yeah. try for a very brief lead.
3: for the Landers. He's quite good.
1: Yeah, all I'm saying mm. is, uh, Jamie Joseph, if you're listening, this is what happens when you play the same Oaks game after game, they get a little bit better. Mm. So, uh, look, we'll just... Uh, any, any, do you want to have any quick one-liners? Uh, ben, do you have uh, anything to... Do you have I've got, any I've got a petrol? quick one-liner before, yeah.
3: before Ben triggers me
1: again. Yeah, with petrol, with
3: uh, quick one-liner is uh, Rico Ioni really needs to not be played at 12. Yeah, I agree. He got shut down so much. I know his fantasy score was good and everything, but he got shut down in a big way. No, he should be on the way. Um, I don't and then also, before know. before anyone else weighs in, I just want to apologize for pushing Patrick Turpelotto on you guys because he was a penalty <laughs> machine. <laughs>
0: yeah, <it> was. <laughs> yeah, yellow, yes, yellow like 41 oh, seconds. I know. <laughs>
3: it <laughs>
1: was terrible
3: but to
0: save it for the fantasy alex you get you oh, yeah. can yeah you apologise yeah, okay.
1: for that right. Uh, all right let's uh let's move on it's the rebels versus the yagi artists the yagi Artists claiming a precious away win Jeez. have actually won a game away.
2: Uh, mm. Um ever in their history yeah, no right. they, they, they have beat. they've won in s they've won in sa i'm sure oh, of course they yeah
1: have. i think they beat,
2: i think they beat the cheetahs away the kings, yeah the well they definitely kings, they beat
1: the kings. definitely, kings, definitely kings. beat the kings they beat the kings but uh yeah very maybe
2: good. even the sharks i have a funny feeling they beat the sharks as well
1: yeah the rebels <laughs> they they were coasting it for a while uh, clearly the best wing in the world in the eyes of the australian commenters Marika Marika he's so slow he is so Dude. slow
0: <laughs> did did you see this for
2: ages
1: no. He
0: had the easiest try, I think, of... It. Like, honestly, yeah. I could have scored that try. That's, and they were like, Korabiri! Korabiri! Yeah. Unbelievable! Korabiri! It's like, literally... He Maybe
2: that's... The that's that's, don't but, but, but that's also, why they that was... dig him. That's why they dig him, because it takes so long for him to score the try so they can build up the hype <laughs> and scream and go mad. They've got oh, enough time to do it. So they're, they're like, can, yes, like,
0: where is... Um, after that game, I wrote to Supersport to ask them if they can introduce a commentary feed... That just has the stadium noises and the and the refs mic, because I so I couldn't deal with those fucking Australian commentators. I'm sorry, no, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, fantasy rugby draft. This isn't Aussie bashing, but it's just they don't even talk about the Jaguars at all. No, like it's yeah. oh. like it's the the rebels it's in a... the commentators' eyes. We're playing against tackling bags or whatever. <laughs> it's like no, it's just such like biased partisan commentary. It, it, it is
3: very like okay. I know I've been accused of Aussie bashing before. I'm sorry, fantasy X you guys are listening. It's it's not a general comment, but... Well, it is a pretty general comment. I find that the Australian <laughs> commentators tend to be very self-absorbed. So they are... And this is, again, why, like, Kourabiti is such a favorite for them, because they're still focused on this, this view they have of him as, like, this amazing convert with so much potential, which he was. Like, everyone was excited when he joined uh, Super Rugby. But he's done nothing since then to prove them right. And they don't see it like they're still buying into their own hype. The commentators specifically. I'm not speaking for all Australian fans, but and that's the thing like when they play another team, like you said, Ben, like they're so focused on their own guys. And Correbiti, that was his third bite at the at the cherry, right? They had three try opportunities in the corner with him, and he bungled the first two. The, the first one, he ran straight into someone, and they just tackled him. And then the second one, I can't remember what happened. Like, he dropped the ball. Did, or he went did in you touch see it, how,
0: the, how the commentators were like, oh, a god king can bleed? They defied Corribini. How did that <laughs> <Yeah.
3: ever
0: happen?" laughs> Who is,
3: the, who is this, oh, nameless, this nameless player we've never heard of? Oh, wait, he's got like 30 test caps for Argentina. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, was they, it like Machiero or
2: someone?
3: Yeah, like, was, just, they completely like, lack any perspective. Like, they, they really need to take a step back and. And look at their players, and, and look at the rugby as well, because they, they hype up what, the. Rugby.
0: Like, if I can just o- open a Wikipedia page before you commentate, so at least you can say, oh, Matero he, to try that he hard. No, to the club. T- His dad played for the Pumas as well. Like, provide
2: a tidbit of information instead yeah, I of like, they have, oh, they don't have to try that hard. I mean, there's surely a program printed out that they've they're given a hard copy oh, wow. of the of the 23 Argentinians on the field.
1: Well it popped up. Yeah. their the, the stats guard did at least pop up um look they do have kilographics, I'll say that about the Aussie broadcasters. There's, there's That's over very true. there's over seven hundred test caps in the in the uh, that was in the Jaguars twenty three, which yeah. is uh insane. Well
2: what's it half of them was probably creavy's and then the rest sort of <laughs> dealt up between Matera.
1: Well uh, creepy that Creevy didn't even start, dude. Uh, yeah. so uh,
2: I'm just gonna say that Jaguar's side, Jag, Jaguar's side was fairly Second string as a sort of a, as a shot against the rebels, it was actually a fairly weakened jaguar side. They didn't start their best side.
3: Yeah, let alone but, uh, start You do make again. an excellent point, Adam. The, I, I must give it to the Aussies. They got fantastic production yeah. value, and they got that killer, those,
1: those killer photos. You know, yeah, uh, looks, and we,
3: we could definitely do better than we do on that. Oh, uh, no, no, the sure. South
1: Africa stuff is jut. Absolute jut. Yeah. Um, well, just a quick quick final one line. Uh, but...
3: apparently, apparently, South African cameramen are
0: the best in the world. They like yes. go, they like fly all over. Yes. Like, our cameramen apparently are,
2: are world class.
1: Yeah, we are. <laughs> oh, a... For
2: well, the sport ones.
1: Yeah, well, yeah just generally gets...
2: our cricket sports cricket. cameramen. Like,
0: yeah,
1: I, yeah. Was, I was in um, Cape Town in December for a cricket tournament, and then Trevor Quirk, he was at the Western Province Cricket Club bar. And I had a very brief chat with him. He had some uh, TV guy with him. And he also he was just saying that South Africa's world-class cameramen are known for that around the world. So, yeah,
0: they're, they're, like, desirable around the no, world. they Like, good. for the Olympics or whatever, they'll yeah. be like, God, let's, like, stock ourselves up on the South Africans before we get anyone no, else. Even, even
1: a guy like <laughs> Gerald DeCock, he always gets uh, taken in by the Olympic broadcasting people to do a lot of their minor sports. And he's one of the last true sports broadcasters, of which I could talk about for a while. Just to move on, a uh, quick final word about the… Okay, can I,
0: can I just uh, <laughs> one thing about the Rebels? Yes. Um, the reps against the Hurricanes had a, a nice lead at halftime, which they blew. Yes. Haguaris, nice lead at halftime, which they blew. That oh. is a very, very bad habit to get into. Uh,
1: and you you just reminded me, you know who wasn't on the field when they blew that lead? Well, Genia so he's absolutely key I think um, I know that we're I think try- we've
2: been saying that though from like the beginning yeah
1: I just I just wanted to make that point uh, when Will Guinea mm-hmm. isn't around then uh, the yogui sorry excuse me the rebels they yeah they're just not as good but uh, well done, yaguiards and uh, Nicolas Sanchez by the way I know every now and then he stands still but I like the way he kicks it's silky mm. it's um, mm-hmm. good oh it's smooth like uh, Miles Davis, the Miles Davis of uh, rugby kicking, that's for sure, so moving on, very briefly, the Highlanders Brumbies, um, the prince that was promised was excellent, but it was not enough, the Highlanders ended up screwing them, Ben from accounts, he had a fantastic game, Uh, Ben from tax, what are your thoughts on your cousin, on your financial (laughs) portfolio cousin, and the game he had, scored his Um, first two tries of the season?
0: Did you hear the commentator in a little like, "Oh, uh, Ben just raised the accounts of the of the Highlanders." <laughs> yes. They said something like that. I was like, "Are oh, you cheeky yes.
1: fuckers?" And um, that's, yeah. just, that's
0: just. I thought the, yeah. the Highlanders were really good. They they took their chances. They 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 they, they uh, kind of absorbed a lot of pressure yeah, from the Brumbies, know. and they. When they exploded, though, sorry Alex, they were very clinical.
3: Uh, I was about to say,
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. Look, I, I didn't catch the whole game. I, as you guys know, I caught the sec- at the end of the second half, sitting on top of Table Mountain, which was quite lucky for me. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, just yeah, as you say, like I I think clinical is maybe a fair assessment because you know, like little things like the Noholo intercept try, mm. and you just think to yourself, like you know, technically anyone can get that try, but you just felt like the Highlanders were going to get it. You know, there's just something in the air that made it seem like things were going their way, and they could kind of pick and choose their 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 route to the tri-line. And I don't know, yeah, not a good day for the for the Brumbies. Although, um, as someone pointed out, their forwards are looking a lot better. Um, they're providing a much better mm-hmm. platform now than they were. Maybe it's the return of the prince that was promised in Scott um Yeah, I don't know. I think the Brumbies are on an upwards curve though, um, unlike the Rebels. Yeah. For
1: example. Uh, yeah, like the Brumbies that play well. I just kind of think last 20 minutes, as it's the New Zealand teams want against most opposition, uh, they just blew them, put them away. Uh, Matt, did you did you watch the game? Yeah, I watched some of it. No, most of it actually. And uh, do you have a hot take? Uh, a hot uh, take take uh, for us?
2: Nothing that you guys have said already. It was yeah, just. Uh, what was a slow build-up of a dismantle, mm. and then yeah, I don't know if the Aussies dropped their or if the Brumbies dropped their heads a bit at the last twenty, but yeah, the Thailanders did the typical New Zealander thing, and then that last quarter just closed out the game.
1: Yeah, just yeah. a quick quick shout out to Aaron Smith. Uh, I mean, staying the obvious, but yeah, world's best scrum half. Well, I'll say yeah, I, like, sh- I don't watch I don't watch enough uh, Northern Hemisphere happy to a comment on Connor Murray and uh, the Northern Hemisphere guys, but. Yeah, he's the definition of playing at tempo. Like, uh, Faf Klerk is a poorer version of Aaron Smith, and he's uh, not even close. So, I just wanted to uh, shout out there. Faf, come back to yeah, the box, by the way. we uh, Hopefully, Rusty's looking at you. So, moving on, was the Waratahs versus Reds? Uh, I didn't catch a lot of it. Nayavaro had a massive game. I personally, well, I, I dropped him from my rugby, my fantasy side, and then he goes get 100. Thanks to Kelly. Oh, he mm. got like 80 something last week. I don't know why it was. It was smart. <laughs> uh, he, was playing, uh, in, he was meant to play against Brad Thorne's hard edged Reds team, and then he gets an intercept try. Without that intercept try, he would have gotten like 60. I could have with that. You know, it was a broad in a holo.
2: Yeah, that intercept try was disgusting because he ran like 60 meters as well.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I Oaks are turning, and he was slowly being caught. By by the way. Any um any thoughts on that? Apart from the amazing Waratah's stash. I like that old school kit by the way. You could see that him, was a
2: really nice stash. Yeah,
1: it wasn't really made to tailor. <laughs> like Michael Hooper genuinely wears like skin tight stuff. He's always posing, uh like at a break and play with his hands on his hips, like flexing, looking Adonis like. And you can see a yeah, got got gap it, in his arms. Got
2: to... It's got to be slightly baggier if you're going for that old school look. I mean, true, yeah. fuck, think about the old jerseys where, like, the half was swimming in, like, an old prop jersey or something. <laughs> no, but
1: yeah,
2: Tom Gr- Robinson, yeah, he
1: was he, swimming here in his jersey. He looked like a proper old school prop. That's for sure.
2: No, no, I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> but, yeah, um, just a comment on Nyavara. Um, The golden age of prop tries continues at 120-plus <laughs> kilos. He counts as a, he counts as a prop on the wing. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Uh, uh, any, any thoughts, uh, Alex or Ben? Just on. I don't watch this. Do Do you, do you
3: no, think
1: no. Um, Do you think the
0: Wallabies will start Hooper and Pocock
1: together? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that... But then, who's at but... eight?
0: That's what got them second place in the World Cup. No, that—that's that, what I was thinking. George Smith, another feature, just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like,
1: just, <laughs> just <stretches laughs> and that's it. But are you, but, yeah. mean, but who starts at eight? I mean, someone who checked up on Nasrani hasn't been capped by Fiji. I don't know if he's been capped by their their second side, uh, which has an impact on the regulations. He's been very, very good, and he's got um, size. Yeah. You, you need you need, you well, need...
0: H- H- Higginbotham probably. He's a line-out option yeah. as well.
1: Why wasn't he playing yeah. this weekend? Um, he hurt his car um,
2: Yeah, okay. he, he was he was uh, helped off the field last week. There were Two guys carrying him, off the
3: um, field, you know, him like, up you,
2: with him off the field.
3: You're like this, Adam. What about Caleb Timu?
1: Uh, not big not enough.
3: He does. He's a good player.
1: Up. He's a good player, but don't want. He's not the sort of guy that runs in traffic. Like I mean, a guy like Cooper and Poc- Pocock actually is a very good linking player. He'll he'll,
2: he'll
1: yeah. often he'll get you over the advantage line, but against the packed well structured defence it's say uh, the all blacks, he won't make too much ground, but he's a very good linking player, a lot like Warren Whiteley. Hooper's great in broken player and he's a lot stronger, uh, compared to his size. Uh, but yeah, I just think it's a lot to bring who's the England guy he always no, gets it. He's key. Um Willy oh, That's a Billy. Yeah, he, we they need a Billy Villapola type of guy. Maybe.
0: No, no, but, like but, but oh, they, 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 they need they need a big eight who can yeah. because Hooper and Pocock, they, they two fetches, basically. So you yeah. need someone, you need, maybe even someone like Holloway then because they just need weight, essentially. Someone Nassirani who can just...
3: Yeah. Nasirani uh, pretty works, to be honest. If, if He's good. If he, if he
0: can be. He yeah, can. But why does Nasirani play for Fiji where he was born? How's Money. that for a
3: suggestion?
1: Money.
0: Because... But but yeah, money. Australia's you know, gonna this, offer him money and he's gonna That's another thing no, I was but thinking he's, he's
3: he's making his money for the Brumbies, like that yep. that can't be the reason.
0: You make your money playing for a club and I, yeah. I'm willing to say if you if you play for a smaller nation and you're good, you're a better prospect in the northern hemisphere because they know they're not gonna lose you for international breaks and stuff.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Same as second tier South players. True. That's why but they get picked up. You,
0: if you're a very good Samoan or Fijian or Georgian or even a, ja- a very good Japanese player, you have better prospects in the Northern Hemisphere because that- then we we're not going to lose this guy for international breaks. Like like if yeah, that's-
2: all the different. I mean, look, the, uh, the when you look at like New Zealand, they have central contracting, so then it's far more lucrative to get captors in All Black than as a Fijian because then you fall in their central ca- contract even if you get yeah. capped for like one or two games you still fall in that that bracket yeah, and as part sure of you get like the multiplier and stuff or whatever yeah, um, yeah. so there, yeah, there's an interesting documentary what was it, Pacific Warriors or something so I can't remember off the top of my head and that's essentially looking at um, the the island the the various Pacific islands and the guys in the, who play there and all that there's a quite a interesting little thing they've got uh Tana's older brother what's his face again um, um Tano older brother he played for Samoa and they actually had a big family heart to heart because Tana wanted to play for Samoa and then he's and then all the New Zealand was sort of like saying look we'll we want to also cap you and he was like for national pride no no it's place for samoa and that and his older boot talked him into it, into playing for the All Blacks. Uh,
1: and then just Joscel weeped in his subconscious <laughs> <laughs> many years later. Yeah. Just, a quick, just a quick final point before we move on. I know we've kind of drifted into the Fijian territory. I saw an article uh, on the New Zealand Herald that, um, so I can't remember what term that they used for European uh, New Zealanders. Uh, in the Auckland rugby scene, which is the capital where most of the rugby players come from and how the Highlanders have become awesome, but <laughs> taking all the discarded players, uh, only about, I think they said uh, one quarter or less than one quarter of club rugby players, they are now white, with uh, Polynesian players taking becoming more yeah. of the majority. Because a lot of, uh, in particular, the uh, white players, they're getting, they getting they mature later physically compared to uh, I mean the Polynesian segments of the population, which is also just interesting Um just, okay. uh, just randomly, randomly talking about this. It. It's just interesting the sort of changes that's happening in New Zealand, right, B, uh, as well. Apart from their middle tier, they're beginning to be slowly stripped away, like a multinational going into a very pristine natural area and, and uh, stripping <laughs> stripping national. Sorry, I just showed my uh, socialist colors. I, I apologize. I mean, yes. Let me, let's, uh, let's uh, move on. Um, <laughs> right, next okay. game. Uh, are we on the last game, by the way, for, for the weekend? Oh. Okay. Oh, this one. Yes, it's the game. Sharks, um, Sharks vs. Oh, Bullock. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. um, Do you two want to have something to say quickly? First? Yeah, do you guys want something to say? Well, I do right. how get started.
3: All right, so, late, do, you want, do you want to be our spokesman on this? I can, I can speak for myself and Ben on this. <laughs> okay, so as you, as the listeners will, have, will remember from last week, there was quite a heated discussion over who's going to win this game. Uh... Adam and Matt said that it was going to be the Bulls. Ben and I said it was going to be the Sharks. We flipped a Bitcoin and uh, it came down on the side of the Bulls. So luckily our Super Rugby record is intact, which we can discuss um, in the next episode. But Ben and I have been talking and, and we feel um, compelled to apologize for, for our utterances, for saying that the, the Sharks were going to win, especially when they were so thoroughly destroyed by the Bulls. But we didn't feel like an apology was enough, because words, you know, anyone can say words, right? So um, to really show that we apologize and how, how bad we feel for doing and saying what we did, Ben and I have got, have both gone out this morning, and we've bought ourselves each a pie, uh, a humble pie, and over the next few minutes, um, hopefully inaudibly, because Matt hates the sound of people eating, while Matt and Adam discuss um, with all their wisdom and intellect why the bulls beat the sharks, Ben and I will be um, eating some humble pie. And then after that's done, at the end of this episode, Ben and I will be going um, for the, to spend the rest of the week on Humble Pie Island, uh, which is, is is on the opposite side of the coast to, I told you so, Island.
1: It's part of the um, archipelago. right?
3: It's part of the archipelago, uh, but it's, it's right on the other end. Um, so it's quite far away. You can't swim from one to the other, unfortunately. Um, so we Ben and I will spend the rest of the week on Humble Pie Island or as the locals call it, Humble Pyland.
1: Hmm.
3: Humble Pyland. pyland. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's it. So we have our pies ready, and we're very sorry for thinking the Sharks were, were any good at rugby.
1: Well, it's, uh, look, it also creates a ranking. If you if you manage to get on to, I told you so, Ireland, that means you're a one in three pick. That means you are the true underdog. But uh, Humble Pyland... Uh, that's where people can go and wear their own rugby cones of shame. So, uh, Ben and Alex, thank you very much. I know it takes a lot of responsibility to admit when you're wrong, and in fairness, you got screwed, because I I, I thought that the game would be a lot closer to that. So, as they go off and eat their pies... Uh, Matt, Thomas the Toy, you guys are close, uh, in the sense that you both, that you both, that you both played prop. Um, I know he ended up getting out, and he was the, the uh, villain, uh, or heel, when it came to the penalty try being awarded to the Bulls that really kind of turned the game into a blowout, plus those other tries. I think you made a very interesting comment that it's just maybe he just happens to be the wrong place at the wrong time, or as Ben noted, he's like an I, engineer being given.
2: Told. Yeah, I was going to say, Ben's analogy was probably the best one.
1: Yeah best one in the situation. But yeah, maybe, what what prop did you play, by the way? Uh, Who, so, me? Yes. Uh,
2: what do you mean, which prop did Are you play? Oh, I played Titan. Okay. I play well, on to, where Thomas is pretending to. Be.
1: Yes. So, well, look. Even though you didn't play rugby at the highest echelons, I know that you played at Rhodes Res level, which is uh, yeah. pretty cracking. Because uh, I'm sure the Scots yeah, agree, that no, no, no. might have happened. Yeah, no. What? Um. Just why? Why is the task uh, so difficult? Just, just from a basic level. I know we're not all level five coaches here, but look, what, what's the sort of challenge Luz... he's facing compared to Lucid?
2: Look. The the most fundamental difference is lucid has got one one guy that he's scrumming against. tite has got the Lucid prop on his one shoulder and the hook on his other shoulder. So it's, it's really down to his most basic. It's just that. So he's trained forever, you know, scrumming with well, I just need to get my mind right now, with only one player on his right shoulder. Mm. Now all of a sudden he's got two guys, one on each shoulder. And yeah, It's not something he's going to pick up in a month. But anyway, um, as Ben said, I'm going to say his analogy, that it's like having a sort of guy, just qualified engineer pop up and force him to build a bridge. And then when the bridge collapsed because he doesn't have the right training and all that, and then blaming him for the collapsed bridge when, you know, it should, it, he shouldn't be forced into this position This quickly And expected it to perform at super rugby level I mean, yeah it's I mean try, You can't do that shit with You can't put a backline player You can't move Okay, fly off to set, fullback I was going to say But centers can't move to fullback Fullbacks mm. can't move into center that much Unless you're Australian <laughs> Australians love that
1: But yeah Or you're, or um, you're, you're Tevita Lee And you're packing down a flank And they're up the number six to make you know, look I think I mean considering the, the major change that he's taking place, I think he's doing alright but I just want look, to he's doing it everywhere everywhere else on the field he's doing fine hmm. it's just the one set piece yeah and look at international level he's going to uh, be eaten up and chewed up and spit out
2: uh, that's why I think he must feel like a right like I said last week he must feel like a doers because I mean the whole story was that this was more of Saru thing and sorry said no Sharks play him there because we need more tight heads now all of a and sorry are apparently caught in Koch and Thomas is nowhere near because I mean even if they play in the loose play at the same level Thomas is never going to scrum like
1: Kocka. So. Well, I mean, I mean, even at loosehead, there are so many guys. No, I was say, there's so many ahead yeah, well, of him: Kitsoff, uh, and Beast. And then on the opposite, any some of the Lions props, even on the opposite side of the scrum, he's got um, the outstanding Vilco Lowe, who's in his way. Who uh, I'm sure Wilco he's a, a, sh- a shoe Yeah, he's a in the start for the box. A little Wilco, bit of
2: on well, apparently fit as well, oh, yeah, so but he's, he's going to no, be.
1: He's made a glass right now. He needs to prove, um, yeah. prove no, fitness. No, yeah. But uh, gotcha. quick quick, quick shout-out to the Bills. Um, I think... I just want to say, one of the reasons
2: you guys all laughed at my whole Sharks do one good performance, three shit ones or whatever. I can't remember <laughs> what statistic I pulled out, but yeah, I'd like to say it did work.
3: Yeah, you're not wrong. Oh,
1: How was that pie? Uh,
3: it was good. The, the pie was oh, better oh, than oh, what the, the Sharks... The Sharks dished up. I'm, I'm done eating my part. I don't know if you're done with yours, Ben. Ben's back.
0: Ben's yeah, my, mine was a little dry. I wish I had some humble whipped cream to go with it as well.
3: Yeah. Humble well. custard. You know, you know but what? You, you, you have to choke on it, Ben. You're not supposed to enjoy it. You're supposed to choke on your humble pie.
1: Yeah, well, you it know,
0: was. It was, was so dry. Like I was thinking, i hmm. water. Well,
1: well, you know what? <laughs> who, who could have supplied you uh, with that cream? It, it would have been Warwick Lance, because let's say he was at one of those old milk churns. Um, he, he made all the he made all the right decisions. And uh, okay, there's an analogy, has run his course. I, I was going somewhere. <laughs> I, was, I was going somewhere Check with it. that. But he was fantastic. Let me, I'm going to quickly skip over that blunder and just say he was yes. very good. So, I mean, he scored a hat trick. Uh, Most of the kick chase is very good decision making. In particular, I liked his grabber. I can't remember if it was first or second try? his
0: third try. Yeah, he, he
1: was no, third se- it was a try. It was his second. He kicked it on purpose into space. Is, is he left footed, yeah. by the way? Or is he right footed? Uh, I'm not I'm sure. Really, I, don't I really don't catch. know
3: why. But I think he's left footed. Okay. I don't, know. I don't yeah. know why I think I think that.
1: He used his <laughs> left foot and he kicked it into space, which often you see guys as the uh, kick it ahead head and uh, brainless rugby. Um, so he was fantastic. And just a shout out to John Mitchell. He's taking a very talented group of players. Heck, he's even added a second lease of life to Adrian Strauss. And this goes to show. And Lut. Yeah, and mm. Louett. Yeah, Lourdes. yeah Lourdes. no, Luton.
2: Yeah, the return of name and also oh. did a lot. Yeah. Did a lot to. Dismantling like the, the
0: sharks.
1: Luke yeah. made like twenty tackles from a lot. So, uh, that look, is
3: ridiculous. I've got I've got two bits just to add on to this game because uh, it's really the only one watch yeah, just, I watched properly this weekend. Just,
1: I, I just want to make a quick final comment. Then uh, I was at dinner just with a sharks fan, and clearly the sharks <laughs> fan. The sharks, See, these are my top sources, right? I won't mention his name, but he just made a point that uh, prior to Robert Depierre coming in, so, um, he said that yeah. there was a discipline issue at the Sharks. Guys pitch up late for practice, uh, they'd get up to who knows what. They they just they generally happen to be a discipline issue and he said that's why when you saw them on the field they weren't really playing as a team. There was always some underlying uh, cuck busy taking place. Okay. And since Robert Dupree has come in he's been very hard on that aspect. So, hence maybe you get performances like you did against the Hurricanes, against the Blues. Mm-hmm. But, uh, they got caught napping by a team with the fantastic Berger Odendahl, the uh, South African version of Ryan Crotty, uh, the Bills deserved to take it. So I just wanted to quickly throw that in just a little bit aside. Maybe a juicy gossip. That's pro- that's all it really is. It's not confirmed as fact. Uh, you wanted to say, Alex? You had a couple of points you wanted um,
3: to take. Yeah, two quick things. So the first, I know you guys have really dealt with the forwards. Um, I was I was listening in while I snacked on Humble Pie.
1: Um,
3: <laughs> but I think Beast pulling out of the game was a really big issue. Mm-hmm. I think they really missed him. And I think that as bad as Thomas detoy has been at Tighthead, he's that much worse when he doesn't have Beast in the front row with him. Um, so that was just yeah, really he needs unfortunate. That linchpin. Yeah, and then the second thing is that, can um, okay, again, you guys have touched on John Mitchell and the difference he's made. What I saw on the weekend was, or yesterday was, the conditions were pretty poor, right, Durban, so there, it was raining, mm-hmm. and that was anticipated. The Sharks didn't seem to really be aware of the conditions. The, sh- the Sharks seemed to be like, "Cool guys, you know, we practiced all week. Let's stick to the plan." And they threw a lot of 50-50 passes that did not go their way, which, you know, in any, in those in those kinds of conditions, 50-50 passes become like 30-70 passes. And the Bulls, who we originally saw at the beginning of the season against the Hurricanes at Loftus and then since then, have played this very short passing game between the, the forwards, right? So yeah. we suddenly saw them bringing in guys like Pierskerman and Lurt and Arjes Neyman and having them being the front ball carriers with pop passes between them and keeping the ball alive which is not a traditional strength of the Bills, worked very well for them, they dropped that for this game. And they were taking contact a lot more than they, they have for the rest of the season. And I think it was literally that they were being responsive to the conditions. So they actually just showed up with a proper game plan that was mature and responsive to the environment. And the Sharks didn't seem to have prepared properly. So I think that is really what set aside the two teams, that they, the Bulls just really seemed much, much better prepared.
1: And yeah, that's coaching. Ben, do you do you have um, some nitroglycerin to Yeah, I, I I have
0: a I have a challenge for our for our viewers, our, our listeners. Go outside, grab your rugby ball from your shelf or your cupboard or whatever, go outside, try run full pace, and then drop the ball onto your foot and do a grubber. <laughs> Just try I, I guarantee you there's about a
2: 50-50 chance you'll fall on your ass.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have got a ball in the house. Actually, it's shameful. Well, I don't think I have a rugby ball.
3: I've, I've got one, but I don't want to run 40 meters down the said, road with it.
0: But coke bottle. <laughs> but um, Warwick Holland can do that. 10 out of 10. Well, yeah. maybe eight. Whatever. Mm. The amount of coordination that takes—it's—it's it's ridiculous. It's—it's it's next level. So you're on that frickin' Hats off to him, and I want to. I want to hear about all of your attempts next week to do that.
1: <laughs> Send in your videos. I <laughs> I don't have a rugby ball, so I'm out. I'll probably pull something. Just use, like he said, use a tennis
2: ball. Apparently, it's making it more difficult if you don't have a rugby. I ball. I do
1: have a tennis ball.
2: I oh, do have a tennis ball. There you go. Go.
0: Use a, a two-liter Coke bottle then, and just try it full <laughs> speed, and then drop the ball and, and give it a little kick forward, and just see. Put a bit of water, of water in the
2: Coke bottle, Adam, so that it's heavy, heavy like a. Just a little bit of water, so that it's slightly heavier, like okay. like a rugby.
1: Okay, I'll 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 look into it. <laughs> which is um, um, the passive aggressive way of saying no. I don't think it's going
0: to happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> imagine your, your your wife sees you doing this. Like, what what are you doing?
1: Yeah, um, I just tried in the lounge. Yeah, she she's.
0: Kill uh, your cat or something. Leave Rico Miani out of it.
1: <laughs> no, it's Isaiah Parisi. Okay, going to step him and, t- and take yeah. the forms. Uh,
0: but, okay. Um, but, and and just, just yeah. a final comment, uh, again on Geland. Remember in about, I want to say 2005, Franz Stein had a game in similar conditions, just in the pissing rain. Uh, he was obviously playing for the Sharks. He was at fly-off. And he just, he took charge completely of this game, age 19, you know, like. And that, I think, was when people kind of realized, like, shit, Franz Stein is something special. Like, he is going to be a be a world great, which he which he is. And I think this hopefully I'm really hoping this is Warekhill's sort of coming of age game where everyone's like, Okay, this guy is the this guy is the real deal. He's he's sort of the prospect going forward because yeah, you know, at the moment I'm very much Team Ghelant.
1: Yeah, it's. uh, I mean, his competition would be Andrew Nope. He's already been at the box. So, nope. And then Cohen Bosch, whose tackling is a tiny bit suspect. So, yeah. Um, Well, well,
0: uh, Did you see Galant make the comparison
2: between him and Cohen Bosch? And who would
0: you rather have?
2: Uh, No. Well, Galant made Bosch eat turf a couple of <laughs> Times.
1: Yeah, like, I, I do like Bosch. I really do. I just think um, there's no excuse for being a, a poor defender of 15. Uh, DMAC, he's 1.77 meters tall, which is pretty much my height. And he pulls down guys the size mm-hmm. of Ben Lamb, who is a freaking giant and, uh, like, really mm. quick. Um, so, yeah, congrats to the Bulls. And, yeah, the South African Conference has got a long way to run. The Lions still have to go and tour. Uh, they're going to be back this coming week. So,. Um, yeah, it's going to be very, very intriguing. All, all the pools, actually. I know the Hurricanes are the outside leaves, but when all the Crusaders get uh, their guys back, they're going to hammer the Sunwolves, I assume. We'll talk about that in a Super episode. So, Super Ropey is far from done. It's uh, a lot more intriguing, and I think it is benefiting from cutting teams. I know you wanted to make a quick comment, Ben or Alex, about just Pro 14 and the Cheaters versus Munster I think the Cheaters lost by two uh, in Brompton.
0: Yeah, um, sorry, this was me. I realize I've been talking a lot. I apologize, guys. Um oh,
1: yeah.
2: monster
0: Munster gave a masterclass in sort of game control and ref manipulation. because So the Cheaters blew out to an early lead playing a very, very quick game. Second half, Munster came back, and suddenly every scrum, every line-out, every break-and-play, half their medical fucking staff would run on and treat some ankle injury with the prop or the lock or the flank or whatever it was, and then suddenly after they've had their kind of 45, you know, second rest, the medical staff would leave, having had their rest. They've slowed down the game. All their players have caught a breather. They've nullified the altitude. Then they play on. They just played this really slow, sapping, dull game, which was exactly what they needed to do to beat the cheetahs. So do you know what? Good on Munster really poor by the ref for letting shit like that go on. If a player is being treated, honestly, they must. their medical staff must have come on 25 times in that half. If a player is being treated three times for the same thing, the ref's got to send him off. Like, it's, say, listen, you injured mate, make a sub. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, it really allowed Munster to, sl- it was honestly probably the most boring half of rugby I've ever watched. But, it, the uh, Munster did what they needed to do to beat the Cheetahs, and, yeah, like, not really one for the fans, but quite a, uh, like something I feel we could learn from teams like that. You know, if teams are running off your feet, sort of sneaky little ways to slow the game down and stuff. So, yeah, good on Monster, uh, bad on the ref, unlucky for the cheaters.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, there you have it. So Stone Cold said so. Any, any um, any uh, final thoughts, guys? But before we wrap this up, Nah. I'm good. No, I'm, cool. Yeah. Um, right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Elite Rugby Band. So we're going to be coming back to you later this week with our fantasy episode, which I haven't been in the team, but quite well, because I had Naivaro. Uh, I did not. My ranking has now dropped to the uh, <laughs> low, the high 20s. It, it just gets worse and worse. Thanks, Wazaki. You bastard. You betrayed me. Uh, we're also going to be coming out with our Super Pre-episode uh, soon, later this week, probably very shortly after uh, this episode. And if you're out there, please listen to us on a cast... SoundCloud, and iTunes. Rate, subscribe, and comment. Please, we always appreciate your feedback. And Iceman, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, I know we <laughs> exchange a bit of banter over our, over, um, our, our unfortunate wait and failure uh, for Fox to update the fantasy game. But we always appreciate you and anybody else that listens, so please comment. Um, so that's going to wrap it up. We'll catch you later this week with other content. Have a good one, and enjoy your happy out there.